All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of UCAST, where we are, Kendra and I are um, interviewing uh, Kristen Miller today. She is a breakout speaker for our upcoming conference, and her topic is being a multi-potentialite. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Kendra, how are you this morning? Well, I have a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it short. But um, I was in the shower. I, I was up till 1.30 in the morning last night um, painting my kid's office space. And um, so I got up a little late this morning. And then I had to um, shower this morning. And when I was five minutes into my shower, I realized I had my post-op appointment with um, my gynecologist from my, you know, my mm -hmm. hysterectomy. So it yeah. became a different shower. It's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole different shower. And then when I got out of the shower, I put a towel on my head and I was like, oh, it's time to get on this podcast. Took the towel off my head and realized I still had conditioner in my hair. And I'm just like, and I couldn't, you know what, normally I would have just left it in and I'm like, I'll deal with that later. We'll call it a deep conditioner. But um, I also have a haircut today. And <laughs> a big day. So I'm good. I feel like I should get some coffee, but I'm good. You All probably right. should. It's also your anniversary today. Kind of. It <laughs> kind of is. My, um, my husband did get me a card and um, he set it out uh, on the counter this morning. So now I know where the bar set. That's nice. <laughs> How to make it achievable on some days, right? That's right. We got um, we got married on leap day, so we don't have to do this very, very often. Um, we can just half ass it right now. Except every four years, you have to go all out. Yeah, we haven't done that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Kristen because she is sure. our guest today. <laughs> Kristen, tell us a little bit without going into too much detail what your breakout session is going to be about. Yeah, so I'm going to be speaking about being a multi-potentialite, which means someone who doesn't have a specific niche, but many passions. And so I'll be talking about how my experiences taking on a million different hobbies uh, has made me be a little less fearful going into something new, uh, which I know is so scary for so many people starting something new, especially if you're going to a space where you don't know anyone or you're starting completely from scratch. So just giving some tips on how to really find a hobby or a passion when it's really hard to get out of the everyday just kind of flow of life and then you look around and you realize that there's not really a lot that you do for fun so it's just trying to help everyone figure that out give us a 10,000 foot view at what some of the hobbies you've um you've taken a stab at now wow. I think the biggest thing to mention and that I think you'll be talking to people about is you don't have to stick with everything be good at everything um, et cetera. But what are some of the things that you've taken a stab at? Yeah, this morning I was just thinking about that. I trained for a marathon and I am the least athletic person like, ever. I did track my high school and my senior year of high school and they made me throw shot put because I literally could not run. I was like 120 pounds throwing shot put because I was such a bad runner. So I trained for a marathon and finished a marathon. Uh, and I was just thinking this morning, I think maybe I'm just going to kind of put long distance running on the back burner. And I, I do that all the time. I have to kind of juggle what it is I want to focus on. So I, and I feel no shame around that. Like, it's just, I loved it. I did it. And I will probably still go run a couple miles every once in a while, but I don't think that's something that I want to put my um, focus on. So 
running a marathon. Uh, I got chickens. <laughs> I am writing a book. I am learning Spanish and Italian. I um, bought a van to go camping. She did say and, yes, and, yes. Keep going. (laughs) And, and, and. I could go and, and, and all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when we met for coffee, the three of us, um, we had all scheduled about an hour for us to, to sit down and chat. And we had so much fun talking with you that I think it ended up being, what, two and a half hours? You know, I spend 90% of my time with a nine-year-old. So when I get to talk to other adult humans, sometimes it's hard to get me to stop. <laughs> it, it, it was such a fantastic, the time flew by. It was like, we looked, we all about the same time looked at our clocks and was like, oh shit, we've been talking for like almost two and a half hours. It's so, it's so, everything that we talked about was so interesting and I um, giggled when you said you got chickens because I remember the story that you told us when we got coffee about the chickens. And it's so, it's so funny. It, it's not, I don't know. I don't know if funny is the right word. It was very amusing to me because I can see how that would happen because I've been, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Today is the day. And that's what, what you did. <laughs> yep. For 10 years, I was like, gosh, I really want chickens. I would research chickens. I knew about the breeds and the eggs and all of that. But for 10 years, I just kept saying, like, it doesn't make sense with my schedule. You know, how would I take care of them? Da, da, da. And then one day during COVID, when we were all kind of losing our mind and I was just completely bored, I literally thought I'm getting chickens today. And within an hour, I had chickens at my house. So yeah, sometimes I surprised a lot of times I surprised myself. You were, you were also about a minute away from having a llama farm, right? Alpaca. Yeah. Alpaca Alpaca farm. Farm. Okay. Yeah. I was really deep into that. And I, I still love the idea. I don't know that it's completely off of, off the table, but yeah, I really dived deep into owning alpacas. You did all kinds of research. You looked at property you were, mm-hmm. and you were even getting ready to sell your house, right? Yep. Yep. I had, I was, uh, I was getting ready to have it listed. I was going through and doing all those annoying things you have to do to fix up a house before you sell it. And then I just realized it wasn't the right time. So, which is a hard thing to, like you talked about, um, sometimes you just have to realize that it's not meant for you and set it down and not dive too deep into the failure or the shame around that. Yeah. Well, and that was an that you told us because you told everybody you were doing it, right? It wasn't like it was just this thing in your heart. <laughs> you So then people would ask you, like, how's the llama thing going? And you'd have to like, well, about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and Rena, you said you had a situation like that too, where you told everyone because you want to be held accountable or you want to let everyone know so they're prepared. Yeah. And then you just have to say, Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was moving. And then I just actually last week did something else very similar to that. As a lot of people knew that I started a master's program, like I, I shared the process of having because it's been almost 20 years since I've been in school and my grades weren't great and I had to go through that whole thing. And then I was accepted, enrolled, and I started my first week of my my master's program. And the second week I realized I was going to be having surgery that would land at the end of that class, but not give me enough time to do other stuff. And I felt guilty when I was working on my homework because I should have been working on you conference stuff. And when I was working on you conference stuff, I felt guilty because I should have been working on my homework. And so I, I withdrew. 
oh, this, really? is, this is the first time I'm publicly admitting that I withdrew from my master's program after the first week, but yeah. it was, it just didn't make sense. It, it was, it was like you said, there's no shame in that. You just realize that some things are not meant to be either at that time or yeah. at all. And so you have to reevaluate. And that's what I did. And I'm so glad that you're speaking about this at the conference, because I think that there are so many people, women specifically, that are shamed into continuing to do something. So owning what we learned through the process and hearing someone like you talk about it at the conference is going to be so empowering for so many people. Well, that all or nothing. I mean, I think everybody suffers from some all or nothing mindset, you know, and, um, I know a lot of people struggle to do things like start a business or maybe own chickens or, um, go to school because they feel like they couldn't give their all to it. And sometimes you don't have to give your all, but, but also like, how will we ever know if we, if we don't try, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like things just sit in your brain. Absolutely. What, um, what other things, I mean, you also, you own an Airbnb, which is a new adventure for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, um, I bought an Airbnb with a, one of my best friends, Whitney Pino. And so we just started that in December. What, what possessed you to do that? Was it something, you, uh, so I happen to know the person you bought the Airbnb from, and I know yes. that, you know, she was listing it and she was doing all that. Was it something that you just saw and you were like, let's do this? Or was it something you were seeking out? Yeah, I really, there's two minds of either share your goals with people or keep them quiet and like smash them on your own. And I've learned that uh, it's best for me to share my goals just with specific people who I know will really support me and uh, be a cheerleader. Uh, and so I had told my friend Whitney uh, of all of my random goals. And one of them was to possibly own a rental or get into some type of rental um, area. And so when she saw that online, she reached out to me and said, hey, this came up. It seems like a really good fit. I'd love to do this with you. And so that was a situation where if I had never told her that that was something that was on my goal list, she probably never would have asked me and I would have never seen it because I, I don't do a lot of Facebook um, scrolling. So, so yeah, it really ended up, it was like fate. It worked out really well. Good. And how's it going so far? It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think one, <laughs> like, no, I don't know if one thing has really gone smooth. There's like, it's been really good, but it, like, we're just learning every single time. Yeah. How, yeah, so good. how do you find the time then to juggle everything? Because in addition to all of your passions, you work full time. Yes. You are a single mom mm -hmm. and your son is homeschooled. Yes. Uh, Honestly, I really try hard not to shame myself. Um, that's like my biggest thing. And I, it's a really fine line between pushing yourself and beating yourself up. And I am constantly having to stop and say like, wait, I, I wouldn't talk to my best friend like this. I need to like, just give myself a little grace, but it's really all about setting things down and picking things up as they work for me. And that's every laundry, uh, running, uh, everything is just like a matter of setting things down when it's not the best time and, and picking it back up. So I have like a running list of everything that I do. Uh, so I don't forget anything or leave it off. And then also, uh, using a calendar <laughs> <laughs> with reminders. 
when the calendar works, mine didn't work this morning. And that was a real big situation for me, which is also fun. But thank God I have Rena, who I think what you said about, you know, having some friends that you can talk to and share your goals with, um, because people, you, you know, have you ever noticed, like, you buy a certain car, and then ev you swear to God, everybody has that car. Like, you never saw that car before, you hardly ever saw it anywhere, and you buy it, and then you see them everywhere. And so, like, once you're aware of something, like, you know, you never know when somebody's going to be, see something that might fit into one of your into one of your goals. I know that's something I've talked a lot about, um, but I don't always, I don't always practice my, I don't, I don't always practice that. Cause I always feel like if I can't crush the goal and impress people, then people are going to be so disappointed in me. And that's like such crap. Nobody cares that much. No, there's a lot of things I do really mediocre, but I do them. <laughs> well, you know, somebody commented, so I crochet a lot and that people find that very impressive. Mm -hmm. um, and I always blow it off. It's not all that impressive because I watch, um, hold on. No, it is impressive. It is. But it's a whole thing that, you know, I started doing. Anyway, I watch videos and I just copy the person. Let me, oh, well, I can't show you. We're on a podcast, but I, <laughs> I'll show you when we're off the podcast. Never mind. Sorry. But um, somebody said, um, and I get this a lot because I am definitely a multi-potentialite. People will say, um, is there anything you can't do? And I'm like, well, yeah, I just don't tell you about that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I can do anything I put my mind to. And I think a lot of women that are stuck in, what did we call it? We call it analysis paralysis or, you know, just trying to decide if they want to move forward on something. I think that they just need to hear that other people were also scared and mm -hmm. were stuck and also didn't know what they were doing when they, you know, pushed the gas pedal on something. And yeah, I was listening to something the other day. She said that her mom's advice to her was everything is figure outable. And I think, I think it is. Everything is figure outable. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to call your friend over with a power tool and then it is as I experienced this weekend and, but it is, and I got it done. And Kristen, what is the favorite, your favorite thing that you've done so far? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Or what are you most proud of? Or yeah. Um, Probably the marathon because my son, like there were a lot of things around that. I was worried about the time that it would take away from my son because it's like three, four hours of being outside running. And so I felt some mom guilt around that, um, which I shouldn't have. Uh, and I had to like talk myself through that. I think mom guilt is another big thing. Um, but he would come out like, cause I would just run around my neighborhood. I have, I live on a cul-de-sac. So literally for three hours, I would just run around in a circle on my sidewalk. My neighbors probably thought I was nuts, but my son would come out and he would have like the little goo fuels. There's like these fuel packs you eat at certain points. And he knew how long my certain runs were, how long it took me to do three miles and he would coach me. And, and so it became something that was really like a bonding situation. Now he wants to start running. Um, and he ran part of it with me during my marathon. He came out and ran a little bit of it with me. So it became something that was really about both of us. And that was a, that was a fun turn of events because I did feel really guilty that I was taking time away from him and he's probably more proud of it than I am. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a good point. I think one thing where moms really struggle is you know, with things with themselves. And they say that all the time, but mm -hmm. the lesson in letting your kids cheer you on through a goal, letting yeah. your kids like, you know, 
help you with it and, you know, encourage you and get you through some of the hard times. I mean, what a cool way to practice what you've been teaching them all mm -hmm. along. Mm -hmm. And he is constantly telling me because I preach it to him. Um, he was, he was constantly saying like, I might come in and I only did two and a half miles and I was supposed to do three. And he'd be like, well, you did your best and don't beat yourself up. And I, and it's, it's cool to hear it from him because sometimes I don't know that he's listening because when I'm always, I'm always giving him these life lessons. And then he responds with a Pokemon fact. And I'm like, you obviously weren't listening. And, and then he pulls it out in the right scenario. And I think, gosh, like it's, something's working. So that's always nice. And people never think twice about having, I hear moms having their kids in 15 different sporting events. Every single night they're running their kids to some kind of event. Uh, you're worthy of having time too. You're there, you can have one night to do your pottery or your painting or whatever it is. And your kids can sit one night out of some sporting, like they don't have to have something on Thursday so that you can have that night for yourself. And there should be no shame in that because your kids see that and they're proud of you. It's good to show your kids that there's something that you have that doesn't revolve around them. I mean, we almost need to have like a, a movement about humanizing your mother because, yeah. or, or the women in your life that, because I think it's really easy to be dehumanized as a caretaker. You know, when you're like Rena talked about in, in um, one of our last podcasts about, you know, women just take on the role of being the emotional support, like nucleus of, of a family. And it's, and where they rarely get cheered on themselves. I, I watched a TikTok the other day of a mom and it was her birthday. And evidently she's the mom and she shows some pictures. She goes like all out for everybody's birthday in the house, right? She's, you know, she knows what kind of cake they like. She knows the decorations and the themes and she does all the things. And here, it was her birthday on this day. It was the end of the day, it was the night. And she was just so sad because nobody put in any of that effort for her on her birthday. And she was just like, sometimes it's exhausting. And my thought is, which it is, and I know when we get shit on a lot as parents, I mean, that's just part of the gig, right? But um, also like, how are we taking responsibility for letting our kids nurture us, letting the other, and maybe not even kids, just letting people nurture us. Like that's, that's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. As a single mom, I have the like Christmas, Valentine's day, my birthday, all of those days are a lot different for me than they are for my friends. So this year for Valentine's day, I took my son to target and I told him some nice gifts that if you have like a friend or a partner or someone that you care about, here are some things you could think about getting a book, a chocolate, their favorite drink. And we went around target and I would stay in the next aisle so he could surprise me with things. And then we went and checked out. And so I was, I'm teaching him now on how to show appreciation because it's a, it's something that you kind of have to learn. And so if we're not teaching these people, they grow up into adults who don't know. And that's not really an excuse. You're an adult, you can figure it out, but I really want him to have a good uh, base level of this is kind of the way that we show caring for people that we love. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. How old is your son? He's nine. He'll be 10 this, this summer. Yeah. These are great lessons that you are teaching him. And allowing him to watch you and cheer you on like you talked about I think that's uh, I've not in all of my years of being the viewer of you know parent-child relationships I've never heard anybody talk about that really yeah I like I treat I treat parenting more as a life coach um because that's what I needed growing up 
I, I really always think about what did I need growing up and I needed someone to tell me how to be a good human. That's not something you're just born with. You have like certain morals to a certain extent, but there's so much that I didn't learn about, um, like how to show love and appreciation to people in a positive light and um, so many life lessons. And so I treat parenting more as like a life coaching. I'm preparing him to go out into the big bad world and I want him to have like a good base setting and like cleaning people, people will be like, go clean your room, go clean your room. But if you've never walked through and said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is how we wipe off the tops. I don't want anything on the floors. All laundry goes downstairs. I go step-by-step step through it. We go through the bathroom and I show him exactly what I'm looking at and like the standard of clean that I'm looking for. Because if you just keep yelling at your kid, clean up, clean up, they don't know what that is. They're their kid. And then you get frustrated. It's just, it's not fun for anyone. That's true. Well, I think we, I think we forget to ask younger people in general, not I mean, just because we seem to have a superiority complex about people that are younger than us, like all, all humans do that. Uh, but I think we forget to ask questions. We forget to, you know, ask them what they already know <laughs> and, you know, or understand what they already know. Uh, tell us about what you do for your job. Like, what do you do all day long? So yes. this person that has all of these different activities and is, you know, managing and juggling and all that, like, what does somebody like that do for a job? <laughs> I, right now I'm a project manager um, for a bank. So that kind of makes sense. I, I like um, figuring out how things run, making sure everything coordinates well. Um, so I do that as my full-time job and working in the corporate world has been a lot of learning for me as well. I definitely was part of the hostel culture, like logging in early, staying late, working through my lunch, really martyring myself. And I thought that was just me being a good worker because that's what I was taught. Um, if you want to be like a leader, you want to go above and beyond, you have to put in all these extra hours and you have to sacrifice all these things. Um, and I learned about boundaries in my thirties. I wish someone would have taught me about boundaries in my, as a, like a, as a five-year-old really. Um, so I learned about boundaries and that's really changed how I handle work. You took one of Courtney Meisner's classes. Was that, do I yeah. remember that correctly to learn about boundaries? And you said it was really life-changing for you. Absolutely. It started, like the class was really, really great. And then it's just like expanded from there. I've started reading other books and um, I grew up in a household where you were told no and you didn't get to ask again. And, and so I never really learned how to, um, I didn't know that I could say, hey, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good for me. If you continue to do this, we just can't, we can't have this relationship, friendship any longer. Uh, and now that I'm an adult and I finally learned that in my 30s, um, it's completely changed my life. Why do we feel like like, like uh, relationships are life sentences? <laughs> because because we, we have complex post-traumatic stress. <laughs> Trauma. <laughs> Well, and you know, as a like as a Gen Xer, when when some of the younger generations started talking about you know their their trauma and things like that, I you know at first I thought, why are we focusing so much on this? And but as I've watched, I mean, I'm a, I'm big on I, on TikTok all the time, so I watch a lot of Gen Z and Gen um, Millennials kind of navigate the world. And as I watch people talk about these things out loud, because I thought they were crutching on them or using them as a an excuse or something, you know, that because I'm a Gen Xer and that's what the boomers told me. Yep, completely. <laughs> and, uh, we love the boomers too, but um, just mostly kind of. I'm, I'm kidding. But, Keep going. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I just like to razz them a little bit. 
but I, I feel like now, you know, understanding it's just part of normal conversation. It doesn't necessarily mean, because I thought, well, oh my gosh, you're just going to talk about your trauma and not go to work. You're just going to what sit on, sit on your face or sit on your, on your ass and do nothing because you have trauma. Like, welcome to the club kids. But it's really not that it's really not, not like that. And I had to really realize that. Yeah. I feel like I, I had to learn how, and I feel like everything stems back to your childhood, weirdly enough. Um, I had to learn how situations back then have influenced me now. And once I was able to identify it, I was able to work on it. And so if you can't identify it, you don't know what the root problem is. And so my grandma's always like, well, you just need to move on. And I, and I had to explain, it's not that I'm dwelling on it and it's not that it still hurts me, but I have to identify what happened so that I can figure out how to handle things better in the future. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, I think everybody can tell you about all the things they've learned over and over again, the same lesson over and over again. You know, they say this lesson will be presented to you until you learn it. And if we don't sit and reflect on it and make decisions, and I, I you know, I was thinking about teenage, if we all talk about high school so much, everybody does, everybody reflects back on high school. And it was four years, it was four, it was four years. I'm sitting here, you know, I've lived 40 other years so far that were not those years, yet that stuff comes up. But understanding like how much your brain development is happening and how much of your, um, you, your, you know, your core memories and the things that you build your life off of are based in that time when you're maturing and maturing and developing. And there, there, even Kristen, you're a hundred percent, right. Our childhood does shape who we are and it, it is high school is affected, ha has an impact on the, on our experiences as an adult, mm -hmm. but it really stems from our formidable years, learning how to navigate. So we didn't get in trouble so we could survive, so we could get love, so we could um, either be the center of attention or not have any attention focused on us at all. And all of those things are our core coping mechanisms. And it's like, a, it's, it's the non-tangible equivalent of breaking a bone and not knowing when it's fixed, right? If we break a bone, we can do an x-ray and see that the bone's healed, but we can't do an x-ray and see that we don't need that core coping mechanism anymore. So you're absolutely right. Until you can identify it, there's, you're going to keep doing the same kinds of behavior over and over and over. So good for you for all of that. <laughs> well, I, I listened to one of the podcasts. You told a story about how you were allergic to wine and then you had like a realization about being younger and you told that story. And I was like, instantly thought of when I was in like middle school or high school, someone told me that I was intimidating. And that was something that I got a lot. You're very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And so I learned quickly to like make self-deprecating jokes about how, oh, I, I trip all the time. I run into things all the time. Oh, I'm just like playing up the ditzy thing. And I have ditzy moments for sure, but I 100% played it up. And it became something where people were no longer intimidated, but intimidated by me, but they started making jokes at my expense. Yep. And so I was trying to make myself smaller. So people liked me better. And I'm still like, I just realized that not long ago. And I'm still trying to stop myself. When someone says something, I want to make a joke about myself so that they don't feel like uncomfortable around me. And I have to stop myself. And it's really hard. Um, so 
And it was, that was an enlightening podcast for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I think I didn't really realize the intimidating thing until you, until you said that. Yeah. And, and sometimes we don't really need to have conscious knowledge of those experiences in order to move past them. Uh, but it sure does help. <laughs> it sure does help to understand ourselves better so that we can do better later and teach others and be an example and be a safe space for someone who's experiencing something that we can recognize now that we understand it and help them through it as well. So it, it's it's so fascinating to me how we're affected by our, our childhood. You really do have to protect when you want to go after something and tell people that'll support and sure you want have, to be like you're an idiot but let's go yeah i have um some family members um my mom and my grandma they know uh they are like that uh they take all of their fear and like all of their questions of everything that could go wrong and we've had so many discussions over the years where i essentially had to say when i come to you with a goal or a new idea what i need from you is to say i'm proud of you i can't wait to support you and when you ask me a lot of questions, I try to understand that they're just, they just don't know. And so I try to be a little more patient. Um, but I also tell them it feels like when they ask me all of those questions that they don't trust me or they don't believe in me. And that's not the energy that I need in that moment. And so it's still kind of, we're still learning it, but it has been years and years of having this conversation of when I come either if you can't support me when I come to you with a goal then I can't share my goals with you so if you want me to continue sharing my goals with you we need to discuss this differently yeah and I'm so proud of you and excited for you to be able to express that to your mom and your grandma it's so so important yeah. and and that will change the trajectory of your relationship with them too so I'm it's definitely hard. there's a lot of <laughs> There's what, Kristen? There's a yeah. lot of defensiveness on both sides. Like we we all get really defensive. With the people that you love, it's so easy to like jump to like frustration and anger where you would be more patient with strangers. And so it's an interesting dynamic. It's so true, yes. Anyway, I totally lost my train of thought. So anyway, we're, we're going to um, promote the, the conference now. Kristen, you're speaking on March 23rd. Um, I don't know the time, but it doesn't matter because if you're there all day, then you're definitely going to be there to see her talk. Um, and if you want to get tickets, you can go to youconferences.com and get your ticket, or you can go through Eventbrite and search Unapologetically You. And uh, we look forward to having everybody join us that day. You can get a virtual ticket if you can't make it in person and want to have access to all of the recordings that we'll have. And you can use Kristen as a discount code to get $10 off your ticket price. So please make sure you do that. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you some more and, and continuing to learn about all of the things that you do. And uh, we will definitely see you on March 23rd, if not sooner. Yeah, I can't wait to see what everyone has to say. It's so I'm so thankful that I, I get this opportunity. So thank you for putting this on for everyone. I've gone to previous events and it's it's just one of those, this is another thing where I get to check it off the list. Public speaking is something I have always been terrified of and I've been working on this. So this is another situation for me where I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Um, and so I would, a year ago, if someone said you, I would be speaking um, at an event like this, I would have told them they were nuts. Um, so so I, I, I'm excited to be able to 
be in an area with so many other women who have great things to speak about. That's we're so excited to have you. And if you want to fast track your uh, fear of public speaking, hop into my office. We'll do a quick balance and I'll be gone like that. (laughs) (laughs) Kendra, is your, is your, is your internet stable enough to say any final words? I'm not going to (laughs) try. So no. (laughs) All right. Thank you everybody for hanging out with us today. And we will see all of your beautiful faces at the unapologetically you conference on March 23rd. Thank you. Thank you.